What do we need to remember in the middle of our suffering? Hey friends, this is Cherie at Bible Project. In this episode, we're starting a new series, Over the next month, we'll cover books of the Bible that focus on the topic of wisdom. We'll start by opening the book of Job, a complex story about a good man who suffered the cosmic loss of everything, his property, health, family, and friends. What did God want Job to know in the midst of his suffering? I think the answer might encourage you and me as we face hard times today. So stay tuned and listen in. Job is one of those books that people like to go to to think about the question of theodicy, or why a good God permits evil. This is not an easy question to answer. And what happens in the book of Job actually raises some even more difficult questions about suffering and the character of God. For example, why does God let the adversary test and harm Job, even killing his family? Is this fair? Is this a good God? Is this communicating that God is the cause behind all suffering, that everything is a test in that sense? When God explains himself to Job, is he really just saying to be quiet and accept that he is God and Job is not? Would this be a helpful way for us to get through suffering? At the end of the story, God gives Job new children to replace his other ones. Are we supposed to feel okay about that? So certainly the book of Job explores human suffering, but how is this book trying to help us think about suffering, our place and God's place in it? To start, we need to pay attention to some of the literary features of the book and what stands out for emphasis within the structure. The book has a narrative frame, so the introduction and conclusion are told in story form. In the introduction, we learn that Job is righteous and prosperous, but then because of a backroom deal in the heavenly realm, Job is afflicted and everything is taken from him. The bulk of the book is poetic dialogue, cycles of conversation between Job and his friends. Then God speaks to Job, and this part should stand out to us. It's what Job has been asking for through the whole book, and it breaks the cycle of Job and the friends arguing. We'll take a closer look at this. The book concludes narrative frame again with God restoring the fortunes of Job abundantly and declaring that Job was right in what he said about God as opposed to the friends. Here are some observations about the book and its take on suffering. First, let's talk about the friend's conversation with Job and how that relates to the introduction of the book. Job defends his innocence, but the friend's message to Job is that he's suffering because he has sinned. And actually, their message isn't as crazy as it might sound. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about how the righteous will be rewarded and the wicked will perish. It's all about order and justice in God's world. So the friend's wisdom isn't altogether bad. But in the narrative introduction, we learn that Job is totally righteous, so we know that in this case, they are wrong. Suffering is more complex than this simple principle, and God cannot be reduced to a formula. While wise, the friend's advice is not true in this situation, 
And actually, Job's position, though more honest, also assumes that suffering and sin are connected. He's saying that he hasn't sinned, so his suffering is unfair. During Job's speeches, he consistently grieves, even accuses God of injustice, and asks for God to answer him. And after 35 chapters of dialogue between Job and the friends, finally, Yahweh speaks. This is the climax of the plot, and the author wants us to pay close attention. Does God explain to Job why he is suffering, or is he focused on something else? There are many things that stand out in God's speech, but I'll just highlight one feature, and that's the reuse of words, phrases, and imagery from Job's earlier speeches, especially chapter 3. And so it seems that God's words are a direct response to how Job sees the world, and actually God's speech reverses so many of the images and themes from Job's speech. Job had cursed the day he was born, saying, "'Let it be darkness.'" And his speech is full of imagery of darkness, night, and gloom. There's this inward movement toward death where he wishes he could reverse the day of his birth and die in the womb. God's words directly contrast to this inward and darkening movement. He says, Who is this that darkens my counsel? God depicts himself as creating the place of light, restricting darkness. So God limits chaos and evil, but it still exists. Whereas Job wants to undo his birth, God depicts himself as giving birth to the universe. He reverses the dark and inward movement of Job's poem by showing the expanse of creation. God's speech presents this panoramic vision that carries over the length and breadth of the created world, all the land, the skies, and the animal kingdom. He shows that he cares for things that humans don't even know about. God describes the animal world as sometimes fierce, even violent, in a way that defies human moral understanding. This shows that God's wisdom may seem full of contradiction, but that it's beyond human limitation. So what does God's speech have to do with Job's suffering? The question God is answering here is not why suffering comes, but rather how we should view God's world. Is God's world good or broken? Is it ordered or wild? Is it beautiful or dangerous? Yes, God's answer to Job is that his world is complex, even paradoxical at times. The message is that even when we can't pin down reasons for our pain, God is no less wise and caring. We can trust him. God wants to change Job's perspective and ours too. Through the book of Job, God wants to challenge us to not reduce him to a simple principle that when we do good, he rewards us, and when we sin, he punishes. Yes, when we sin, there are often painful consequences that follow. But pain and suffering is not always an indication that we've sinned. So let's be careful about saying to ourselves that we must deserve pain or suffering, or trying to be better so that God might relieve our suffering. God is more complex than that. And in our suffering, let's also remember that he birthed the whole universe. He cares for things beyond our moral understanding. He's always working to limit evil and chaos in the world. Even when we don't have perfect understanding, we can trust that he cares. Job 38 
1 through 18. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this who obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Job 38, 1 through 18. As I go to review, I'm still taking in all that God said to Job. It's crazy. I mean, God knows and understands details of the universe we don't even yet know exist. He's so far beyond us, but still comes down to our level to help us see who he is and know that he really does care for us. Friends, I'm with you. From extensive cancer treatments, to losing loved ones, to chronic pain, I know it's hard. And you do too. We're all going through pain. We're not alone. God's in it with us. He knows the pain. He feels it too. We're in this together, suffering, but remembering that God really is trustworthy. Even when the pain is so intense that we can barely see it, God is at work limiting chaos and giving life. Let's take more time with this. I have three things for you to prayerfully consider today. Listen closely and press pause if you need more time. All right, for our first reflection, what is one area of suffering you see in your life or in the world? Take some time now to tell God how you feel about it. He hears you. All right, now our second reflection. 
Ask God for understanding. How might he be working to limit the chaos in that painful situation? What comes to mind as you listen for his wisdom? And now our final reflection. Ask God for understanding. How might he be giving life in the midst of that suffering? If nothing comes to mind, keep watching. God doesn't let pain have the final word against his people. Thanks for joining us for today's reflection. Now in closing, let's pray together. God, we admit the pain in our lives can get so overwhelming that we are tempted to question your justice and your goodness. Help us to trust that you are constantly at work to limit chaos and bring more and more life into the world, even when we can't see it. Jesus, thank you for taking on our sufferings and rising from death. You know our pain and prove to us that suffering has a final end. Renew our hope and strength today as we wait. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I really hope you want to reflect more on this lesson because there's a video and more detailed questions for personal study or group discussion on our website at bibleproject.com study. Special thanks to Dr. Chris Quinn for bringing today's message. Shout out to Dan Gummel, our producer and today's scripture reader. Thank you to Grant William Harold for composing our theme music. I'm signing off as Shri Hayes, your host. Reflections is more than a podcast. It's a community of friends who are reflecting on the Bible all throughout the week. Friends like Iana Lua. Hey, this is Iana Lua, Gijanada Baya, and I am from Nigeria. I like to start my day listening to Reflections. Um, it's always a great way to start my day. Thanks, Iana Lua. So cool to be a part of your morning routine. Bible Project is a nonprofit that's funded by the generosity of people like you from all around the world. Thank you. Thank you.